If something bad is going on, we all know it. We do, you all. Do we? So I watch uh, a lot of YouTube, as I have been talking about. We're living through a weird time. And one of my favorite people that I watch from time to time makes these strange pronouncements. I don't need to go into detail, but this is one of the things that she said, that basically if something bad in the world is going on, we all feel it. And she has a weird speech pattern, so she'll make a statement and then say, it's true, you all, or we do, you all, uh, something to that effect. If something bad is going on, we feel it. We know it. We know something bad is going on. This is a widely accepted view these days, that the collective consciousness gives us a certain degree of insight, allows us to know things. So when we feel anxious or short-tempered, there must be a deeper explanation, something that uh, involves the collective consciousness. Or, if you will, a disturbance in the force. Is that what's really going on today? We're going to talk about it in podcast 1074, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a weird podcast, and I'm going to reinforce that uh, my friend Julia at BU Enterprises is really concentrating on trying to help people get through all the crazy stuff going on right now. She has a toolbox. She has a, you know, a sort of bag of tricks or, or toolboxes that help people stretch, help people get back in their own body, help people breathe, even if it's just for a half an hour or 45 minutes uh, at a time a day makes a huge, huge, huge difference regardless of your situation. You don't have to be Mr. and Mrs. Universe. Uh, she can set up uh, Zoom conferences or any kind of uh, conference app to work with your groups, your neighborhood, your family, whatever you want to do. If you want more information, just uh, contact BU Enterprises through their page at buenterprises.com or click on the banner at the top of the page at the thebobdavispodcasts.com. Well, I've got some notes here, and it's I'm sitting by the fire, and it's dark, and I got moonlight. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't you can't read something by moonlight. You have to have lighting. So I have a little bit of bizarre lighting that that is a little flickery. So I have to be careful as I go through. But this is one of those podcasts I really had to make some notes to be able to to uh, to to pull it off. And I, and I had a little fun with everybody in the intro on this collective consciousness issue. Actually, for me, these days it feels like we're kind of uh, on the outer edge of a giant whirlpool. We might be uh, aware of its um, force or motion. Most of us are just hoping we can get out of this circular movement or that something, somebody, somewhere will plug the drain and uh, stop this circular motion of the whirlpool because we all know what happens. You go round and round and round until you go down the drain, right? Now, other people might describe how these days feel differently. For some people, it doesn't feel like anything. It just feels like another day. And I think that's important to point out as well. If you spend all day on YouTube, and you'll see that when we get to this, you're going to feel like we're headed around and round and round until we go down this drain. 
but uh, that is what it feels like to to me anyway right now. And you know, this whole thing caused me to come up with this question. It's a bizarre question, and I'm I've decided to do a podcast about it. Can we feel strife and death and destruction without knowing the source? A lot of people think we can, and they'll use the term collective consciousness or the community or community in, uh, in, in, a, in a religious or social sense. So they'll go, hey, community, which sort of intimates this collective you know, knowledge of events. Yet, I have to say that whenever I've been told of a death or somebody had an accident, it comes as a complete surprise to me. I never know. In fact, the term collective consciousness, in fact, is a misnomer. And I, I this is what I wanted to get to in this podcast. In fact, collective consciousness is a misuse of a term which describes something that is completely different. The term is collective unconscious. And it's not a general term. It refers to something very specific. So what is the collective unconscious? It's a certain unconscious instinct in all humans that is rooted deep in the limbic system or whatever you want to call the cerebral cortex, the so-called reptile brain. It was discovered by Dr. Carl Jung in the early 20th century. And I'll do a brief explanation. If you read The Psychology of the Unconscious, which was his first book, uh, you'll hear, you know, you'll read him explain how he came upon this. Uh, Young worked for Freud, and one of his duties as an intern was to go around and do rounds in the morning, along with all the other interns. And they would go, they were at a mental hospital, and they would go around and do rounds and talk to people. He was educated as an anthropologist, not a psychologist. And he observed certain characteristics which seemed to be uh, present in many people. Now, these are completely insane people, regardless of whatever their affliction was or whatever their problem was. Uh, he can. He sort of started to explore this by having these people uh, draw pictures. And I, I believe this is what he called active imagination. And he, he started to have them draw pictures or watercolors and was struck by the similarity of some of the paintings that people who were severely afflicted drew or pictures that they drew with some of the things that he had seen in primitive cultures uh, in the South Pacific or, you know, wherever he had studied them. And kind of came upon, and this is a short version, this this explanation, that there must be some sort of collective unconscious. Now, Jung is such a seminal force in modern psychology and certain belief systems that he has been badly misquoted, misunderstood, and misparaphrased to the point of absurdity. The one thing that I always tell people that are who are interested in Jung, I always say, you know, German uh, translates very nicely to uh, uh, English, and you can read his books and pretty clearly understand what he's trying to say. Sometimes you have to read a paragraph and put it down. And he's written, obviously, several books. I've read a lot of them. 
I don't read what people wrote about Jung. And I don't listen to people that tell me about Jung, even though that's what I'm doing. The reason for that is most people, it's such heavy material, it's very difficult to understand, let alone explain to somebody else. So I would not presume to write a book explaining what Carl Jung was talking about. But I am explaining this, this idea of the collective unconscious because we've bastardized this term, collective unconscious, into collective consciousness. The collective consciousness, then, is one example of how uh, he's been misquoted. These days, people will just say, as I said, the collective, which is supposed to imply something mysterious. Uh, I'm not sure what it means. Hey, collective, thanks for tuning in my YouTube channel. You know, now we're going to read the tarot cards. And my feeling is this, it is quite romantic to believe if something bad happens anywhere in the world, pick a place, Israel or some island in the South Pacific or in the rainforest of Brazil, you could say before it happened, something bad is happening, I feel it. Now, a person like me might say, well, how? And the response would be, why the collective consciousness? Imagine yourself prospecting 200 miles from nowhere in the middle of the Arizona desert or rafting down the Amazon. Maybe you're way up in the Alps. Maybe you are taking a group of deaf children uh, on a, um, a Colorado river run and you, you don't have, uh, your radio just doesn't work, let's just say. So if I pick you up at the pickup point and I say something like, guess what happened? You're probably not going to say, I knew it. You're probably going to say, what? S wait, what? So in, in the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the way the collective unconsciousness doesn't necessarily work the way I think people think it does. Yeah, I love the contributions I get from people via the PayPal donate button at the thebobdavispodcast.com. You go to the website, you look at the picture of mobile podcast command on the right side of the screen, you click on the yellow donate button, takes you to PayPal, and you can set up a monthly deal or you can uh, give me whatever you want. And I appreciate it. It goes right in the tank. It's very helpful to this mission. Wayne Nelson, thanks for, I think Wayne Nelson sent me 25 bucks. Uh, I think I mentioned Sandra Amiant a while back, but I want to say so again. Thank you, Sandra, for whatever it was, 25 bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks. It's great. And so thanks for the contributions. If you don't want to send money, which is fine, I'm not asking for that. I appreciate it when it happens. It's great when it happens. But the best thing you can do is actually subscribe to the Bob Davis Podcast on iTunes. That really helps the feeds. You can also get the Bob Davis Podcast on Spotify and Google uh, Podcasts and a bunch of other places. So generally you can find it. If you search for the Bob Davis Podcasts, then you'll see where a lot of other places that I don't even know about exist. I see them on analytics. I don't ever name them, but I'm also on Pod MN, which is a Hubbard Broadcasting thing, and very happy to be there. So, well, here's a phrase. Ignorance is bliss. Where does it come from? This comes from uh, a poem from back in uh, something like 1746 or something. Ode on a distant prospect of Eton College. And here's the actual 
phrase, where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise. In other words, you were better off not knowing, fill in the blank. So the whole point is that the collective unconsciousness is just that, unconscious. And I think the basic meaning here is that we all share um, basic archetypes, which are often expressed in different ways based on belief systems or what might be described as the shadow, which despite uh, much nonsense these days about shadow work, you do not necessarily want to meet your shadow or to create a conscious experience out of this unconscious reality in your mind. And if you do have a premonition, an idea of an image, a dream, a working vision, something like that, or a waking vision, that is a God-given gift. Now, that doesn't mean a religious thing. I'm just saying it's bestowed upon you in some way, shape, or form. Don't assume that you can conjure that up, um, you know, on demand uh, at your will. The collective unconsciousness might indeed absorb uh, feelings, presaging uh, danger or uh, concern, but interpreting those feelings, unless it's a clear and present danger, is danger in itself. Like the soldier who jumps out of the way of a uh, mortar shell at the last minute and later says, I don't know why I jumped, but I just, I had a feeling. Or somebody... Uh, and I've had friends that this has happened to, uh, suddenly had a feeling that they were going to be robbed and took a different path or took a different plane. Now, I was robbed once, and I had no premonition whatsoever that I was going to be robbed. They came up behind me, and they robbed me. But I, I didn't have any premonition at all. So, in fact, the collective unconsciousness is not a website or an email. You have difficulty creating these same experiences uh, or conditions uh, with regularity. So scientifically speaking, you, you, you can't say, oh, the collective consciousness warned me. Because again, the collective consciousness is really the collective unconsciousness. Getting back to Jung, uh, he actually went so far as to say in the book Aeon, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's A-I-O-N, that one of the most dangerous things that uh, can happen to a person uh, is that our subconscious flips and takes over our conscious mind and our consciousness becomes unconscious. Uh, this is this sort of, uh, in a sense, taking over. My experience of that would be, I've known alcoholics who you are talking to them, you're having discussions with them over a couple of a day period, you know, different days having conversations with them. And later you refer to the conversation and they say, I have no memory of that because they were in a blackout. And it's always been interesting to me to say, well, who, who was I talking to? Well, I was speaking to, in some way, shape, or form, that person's unconsciousness. And so that's why one of the reasons that it's one of the sicknesses that can come from alcoholism is that the, the, the personality inverts and the unconscious becomes the conscious. And that is a disaster, according to Jung, in terms of uh, treating people with various problems. So the collective unconscious might simply be a sort of uh, primitive operating system like um, the androids in... Uh, Westworld. 
And I guess what I'm trying to say here is when people cite the collective consciousness for this feeling of anxiety or impending doom or to make predictions, religious or otherwise, I say, you know, that's something that we need to think about because what is the collective consciousness? Well, the collective consciousness would be the Internet. So if, if we're feeling anxious, like something's going to happen or about to happen, that we're, uh, you know, in fact, on a whirlpool headed for the drain, that might be some form of manipulation. And I think that's more serious than the collective consciousness, quote unquote, warning us of some impending problem, because all things being equal... Uh, in isolation, ignorance is in fact bliss. Nonetheless, consuming a lot of information, and I know too well because I consume way too much information uh, from the internet, it can create this feeling of anxiety. It can create this feeling that something is just about to happen at any second. If you peruse, you know, YouTube for any length of time, you're going to get religious predictions, and they always have dates. Watch out for October 22nd. You know, watch out for September 6th. You know, listen, people. Hey, hey, collective. Just want to let you guys know that September is really a month that you should be worried about. And it's fun to watch these after the date has passed. Uh, you know, usually if these things will rise to a crescendo. I've done podcasts about them, especially the religious stuff. It'll rise to a crescendo, and then nothing happens, and so then they don't post for a while, and they come back six or seven months later with, uh, a, you know, a, a string of these posts. This is where I get this idea that we're in a whirlpool, that things are moving in an inexorable, concentric circle to an inevitable conclusion, and we're powerless to uh, to do anything about it. We're powerless to avoid the the final, you know, uh, going down the drain. The difference is out here, and I speak of being out here in the desert by the fire, um, you can just turn it off and you can sit under the stars like our ancestors. We nomads can, and we should, more than we do turn it off. One of the conversations that I often hear with nomads, and I have the same conversation, is somebody will say, well, I'll say, where are you? And they'll be, well, I'm at uh, this campsite. And around Quartzite, there's seven or eight of them. So they'll say, I'm at La Posa South, or I'm at La Posa North, or I'm at Dome, or I'm at Plumosa. These are these different campgrounds. And we always say, how's the uh, reception out there? Meaning the phone reception. Oh, well, I got five bars, but you got to be up in front or whatever. Why? Because we like to sit and watch YouTube and we want our phones to work. And that's not always a good thing. The great thing is that the best conversations come from sitting around the fire with friends that you haven't seen in a while or that you just met, just talking about stuff. And we always talk about bathrooms and, you know, and uh, camp rules and bad camp hosts and good camp hosts and we tell stories about things we've seen that's what i would refer to as ignorance being bliss but my experience has been back in the world where there are tvs everywhere and breathless commentators who predict you know the future uh, doom with a smile they're just thrilled and they cannot wait to ask these questions about really awful things. They're everywhere. Maybe you really didn't want to know. And so people feel anxious. And they feel anxious because the collective consciousness 
is the media and the internet and the YouTube and connecting to what is always, it's always there. It's your friend. It's always pumping out information, whether it's useful to you or not. And it isn't useful to anyone. And my feeling is if, if all hell broke loose and we really do got down the drain, I don't think that anyone's going to feel or know in advance. I think it will come to a massive surprise to most of us if there's a really significant problem. You know, is it possible, as I said earlier, is it possible that I might know in advance? I would hope so, that I would have the feeling that, you know, maybe I better dot, 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 or maybe I should go buy some more canned food, or maybe I should, you know, think about uh, doing this or that. You know, I'm not saying ignore those things, but those conclusions, I believe, come from a consumption of information. And so you have to be careful what information you consume, and you have to be systematic about testing the veracity of the information that you're consuming. And it takes a long time, whether it's you're getting, you know, whether you're watching videos of people talking about having dreams, which I do because I think it's important what people are dreaming. or you're watching some kind of, uh, you know, astrological. These are different belief systems, let's just say that, that some people will listen to and watch and and, uh, think about. Okay, great, but you have to be able to put those conclusions to the test in the real world where you can say, okay, well, this is what I think was going to happen. In other words, you're taking the information, you think about it, you make some conclusions and then you watch to see if those conclusions make sense over a longer period of time. In that way, you might have a, an experience where you're pretty sure A, B, or C is going to happen. That's different from waking up in the morning and having a dream and saying, you know, this must mean this, or it's the collective consciousness telling me something. Remember, it's the collective unconscious and your subconscious I mean Jung theorized that the subconscious is connected to the unconscious and the idea is somehow there's some level of communication but remember this is an unconscious system and it has to be unconscious in order for it to function effectively uh, in terms of keeping us sane if it becomes conscious well that's an experience that you're not necessarily going to want to have. And so then out here under the stars and by the fire, I think, maybe I really didn't want to know. When it finally goes down, maybe I really didn't want to know whatever it is. When we finally go down the drain, you know, where else can you go? There, there's nowhere to... You often hear this now when we talk about finance. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. In fact, finance managers are actually saying that to people when they say, well, I yada, 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 401k, the market's down, da, 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 do. These guys will say, well, there's really nowhere to hide at this point. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens, which is, as the sports writer says, if you want to know what the outcome is, that's why we play the game. Again, out here, under the stars, by the fire, ignorance is bliss. You know, I had a premonition that there would be this place, and it would be in South Minneapolis, maybe in Lynn Lake, the neighborhood at 36th Street South and uh, Lindale Avenue, one of my favorite streets in Minneapolis. 
And it would be this amazing gas station. And it would be independently owned and operated. And they'd have a better deal on fuel so they could pass the savings on to customers. But the thing that would be really cool about this place is they'd be down with the community. They would do really fun things like Gremlin Fest. They have crazy people working there. And the store would be stocked with all kinds of things. Local honey, great candy, uh, you know, special weird candy that you would not get someplace else. Really good food that's like, you know, quick road food. I, I need to get a burrito or I want a really good hot dog. Well, there is such a place, I'm glad to tell you. And you don't have to define it. It's right there in Lynn Lake, 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis. It does exist. Stop by, get a cup of coffee because they have good coffee. Get some fuel. Say hello. They're nuts. And I love them. 36 Lynn. So a lot of times these um, podcast ideas, because I keep trying to go deep enough that I don't have to use current events to talk about. I mean, it took me a lot of thinking to kind of be able to say, you know, this is interesting. Let's talk about this collective, quote unquote, consciousness. Let's talk about this collective, quote unquote, well, it's not quote unquote. The real thing is the collective unconsciousness. Because I guess this is part of this concept of discernment. Because there is so much crap that's being offered up as science. There's so much just fairy tales and fantasy that is being offered up. And the people that do it really well make it very romantic and really interesting. And gee, wouldn't that be great? And I can actually transport myself to this place or that place. All these things that you see in movies, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic, they're not going to help us work our way through this difficult period of time. I'm starting, getting ready to start my third year of being on the road. And it's a hard life. You know, if you, I've often said, if you didn't love this, if you didn't, if you didn't feel called to do this in some way, shape or form, you couldn't do it very long. I was, I was on my way to Parker today to get, uh, I had a great day in Parker. Parker's where we go to go to the Walmart. It's about 30 miles from here. They have, and I've decided once uh, once a week or at once every two weeks, I'll go to the Walmart and I'll stock up on stuff because it's the only place that you can get a can of green beans for 79 cents or some peaches, which I've now really started to like for, you know, whatever, $1.29 or the really good honey um, vanilla yogurt for four seventy nine a quart instead of you know, $8 for a quart of just basically mucus (laughs) at some of the places. And, you know, I, I thought I was thinking, and I've had, I've been struggling lately, just too connected to what's going on in current events. Don't want to talk about them. Don't, I don't feel that I have anything to add uh, that that's going to help you uh, at all. So I don't. And it's, it's really important to look beyond and sort of dig deep and find these things. So I I like this podcast because it helps or should help everybody, whether they're back in the world or on the road, with some level of uh, being able to discern what's really, what's good information, what isn't good information. And 
maybe dispense with the idea that somehow this this construct of the collective consciousness really doesn't exist. It's it's the collective unconscious, and by definition, it's not something you're aware of. This is what I mean by ignorance is bliss. So thanks for listening to the podcast. 1074 the Bob Davis Podcasts. Collective consciousness, real or not? <laughs> Football.